But if you have your Bibles, man, we'd love for y'all to open up to Acts 17. That's where we're going to be tonight. Yeah, come on. Acts 17. And as y'all do that, I want to welcome, can we make some noise for our first-time guests in the room tonight? First-time guests, we are so excited that you are here. We love first-time guests. And our team's heart, y'all hear me say it each and every week, man, we were all a first-time guest at one point. And so if you, if you are a first-time guest tonight, and I've met a couple, I've met a couple of returning guests tonight, if you are a first-time guest, we'd love for you to text guest to the number on the screen, 901-833-7525, and man, we just want to connect with you. We want to help you get plugged into what God is doing here at The View, but also we want to get to know you. We want to get to know your story and walk alongside you as you go through college, because if you, I bet there's a lot of questions in college. How do you live for Jesus on your college campus? What's it look like to study my Bible? What's it look like to pray on a consistent basis? What's it, what's it look like to live out my faith? We want to answer those questions and come alongside you. So if you are a guest, man, please text the number. But also, we got a guest table in our back corner. And man, Collegians will be back there after the service. Our team will be back there after the service. So please, you can fill out a guest card back there. And we also got a cool little gift for you. Got, we got a little goodie bag for you back there. And man, we would love to meet you. We'd love to get you plugged in. But tonight, we are continuing our two-part sermon on Use Your Voice. And so I'll go ahead and give you the title of our message tonight. It's going to be Use Your Voice Part 2. Super simple, super to the point. And last week, Daniel kicked us off with Acts 16, where we saw how Paul was using his voice. And it was all about God's voice. Do you hear God's voice? And are you using your voice for the religious? And are you using your voice for the lost and the hopeless? And tonight, we're going to pick up where Paul is in Athens in Acts 17. And it is just, Paul gives us a wonderful model of how to share the gospel with people, and it is wonderful. But what I'm going to do first, I kind of want to, I want to pick, pick up to speed, get us up to speed where we are in Acts 17. And uh, first you see at, um, at the beginning of Acts 17, verses 1 through, one through 4, he's in Thessalonica. Um, and as soon as he gets to Thessalonica, he goes to the synagogues. The word says in verse 2, as usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures. And what, what this led to was a riot. As Paul went to the synagogues, this led to a riot because people, it says, the word of God says, people got jealous. Uh, verse 5 says, but the Jews became jealous and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Um, and with this, man, it's, it's just my, it's mind-blowing to see Paul's courage in sharing the gospel, it's mind-blowing to see that even with riots starting, even with things going against Paul, Paul didn't stop sharing the gospel. And a question I have for you, college students, is it a usual thing for you to share the gospel? Do you share the gospel on a consistent basis? Because I love what our pastor says here at Bellevue, Brother Steve. He says, we're going to talk about what we love. Us guys, we talk about football every Sunday afternoon. March Madness is right, right around the corner. I guarantee you we're going to be talking about our brackets, how they're at 90% or if they're at 0%. But my question to you is, do you share the gospel on a regular basis? And a great test if you're doing kingdom work is asking yourself the question, do I face spiritual warfare? Because Paul, he faced spiritual warfare, but he prayed against it. He fought against it with the word of God, with the spirit of God, and he didn't let that spiritual warfare keep him from kingdom work. And the devil hated what Paul was doing, and he hates what believers are doing today. This, this riot led Paul and Silas to their next destination, which was Berea. And guess where they went? Straight to the synagogues. If you said synagogues, you get, a, you get a gold star from me tonight. And as they started sharing with the Bereans, the Bible says in verse 11, they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And the following verses tell us after that, the, the Bereans examined the scriptures for themselves and they believed. College students, let me ask you two questions before we jump into our main text tonight. Do you get eager about the word of God and do you examine the word of God? Because both of these things will determine how you share the gospel. If you get eager about God's word, you're going to share God's word. And if you examine God's word, you're going to talk about it. And I ask these questions because there are people on college campuses that believe differently than what the Bible has to say. If you have a conversation with somebody and what they say doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not truth. If somebody says something that doesn't line up with the word of God right here, it's not truth. It's their opinion. And, I, and the question 
that we have to ask ourselves is, are we able to notice these things and correct them in truth and in love? Examining scripture is so important because it tells us who God is and what has been done for us. And we have to allow the Bible to shape our view on the world, not the world shaping our view on the Bible. We have to allow the Bible to shape our view on the world and not the world shaping our view of the Bible. And I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this right here. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Colossians, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Because Tozer says that's the most important thing about you. When our view of God is biblically correct, it will change how we think, act, and approach situations. And I know there's many situations we approach in our college campuses. There's many situations we approach with our professors. I remember I started one of my discipleship groups um, with two freshman guys, and we met on Friday. So we got to recap their first week um, of, on a college campus. They came to me, and they're like, Dakota, my English professor asked us what pronoun that we claim. There's situations and things that we're going to approach as believers on our college campus. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we able to stand up to those things in love and in truth? And so the, the rest of the time tonight, we're going to be in verses 16 through the end of the chapter tonight. And this is where Paul is in Athens. And again, it's a beautiful picture of how we can share the gospel. Paul gives us a great model of how to share the gospel. Before we dive in, I want to give you my sermon in a sentence. I love a sermon in a sentence because this is what we're going to go back to all night. Our view of sin will determine our urgency to share the gospel with people. Our view of sin will determine our urgency to share the gospel with people. College students, I'm just here to ask questions, and we can get the answers from the Bible. What's your view on sin? Because if you overlook your sin, you're going to overlook other sins. And if you overlook their sin, you're going to overlook the urgency to share the gospel. And if you overlook the urgency to share the gospel, you overlook their souls. Aren't you glad that somebody came to you with the gospel? Because Jesus changed my life. I am thankful that Daniel Harris sat me down in a Wendy's parking lot and shared Jesus with me. I'm thankful that he took me to a beach week. I heard the gospel and I received Christ because it was an urgency to him. So our question tonight is, how do you view sin? Because it will determine your urgency to share the gospel. And from our passage tonight, I have two main questions that we need to ask when it comes to sharing the gospel. But before we dive into our passage, I would love to pray for us. I mean, we're going to dive in to see how Paul shared the gospel with the people of Athens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're good, Lord. God, I thank you for you. God, I thank you for the sweet name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that for anybody in here that doesn't know Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts, God, that they would respond to your love, that you came down to this earth. You died on the cross for our sins, but the story doesn't stop there, God. You raised your son from the grave bodily three days later, conquering our sin, conquering the grave, and conquering death, Lord. And if we respond to that with repentance, we get to have a relationship with you, Lord. God, I thank you for all the first-time guests in this room, Lord. We beg, we beg for your presence to meet with us tonight. If that's your prayer tonight, say amen. Amen. So I'm going to start reading Acts 17, verses 16, and I'm going to go through verse 21. And God's word says this right here. While Paul was, sit while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw the city was full of idols. If you have a pen tonight, circle distressed. So he reasoned with those who worshiped God as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seemed to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, May we learn about this new teaching you are presenting, because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. My first question for us tonight, college students, when it comes to using our voice, how do you feel about the sin in your city? How do you feel about the sin in your city? And I asked, I, I, told, I asked you to circle deeply distressed because at, from, the, from the jump of our passage tonight, verse 16, when Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas to get to Athens with him, he was deeply distressed because he saw that the city was full of idols. 
college students, do we respond with that same feeling? Are we deeply distressed that our college campuses are full of idols? There's college students all over your campus. It doesn't matter if it's CBU. It doesn't matter if it's Rhodes. It doesn't matter if it's Memphis. It doesn't matter if it's Southwest. There's college students on your college campus sitting right next to you in your college, camp, in your college classroom, and they don't believe in the name of Jesus. And they are worshiping a false God. They are worshiping money. They're finding their fulfillment in the career. They're finding their fulfillment in another person. They're finding their fulfillment, their excitement in a drug or in a drink or whatever. And it's, it's, they're trying to fill this gaping hole in their heart. And the only way to fill it is with the name of Jesus. But my question is, are you deeply distressed about that? Or do you overlook your sin? Do you overlook their sin? Because And again, I'm, it starts with our view of our sin. If you're broken over your sin, you'll be broken over other people's sin. And if you're broken over other people's sin, guess what? I guarantee you'll share the gospel. The mo- I say this all the time. The most selfish thing we can do as Christians is not share the gospel. You, it, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says free gift. Salvation came to you. Why would you keep it from somebody else? But it all starts, are you deeply distressed about people's sin? Are you deeply distressed about your sin? Because Paul was deeply distressed. And distress can be described as an extreme sorrow or pain. The idols in Athens didn't hurt Paul physically, but it hurt him spiritually because he knew what they were missing out on the God of creation. It hurt him spiritually. And when we are in distress, it gives us an urgency to act. When you are in distress, it gives you an urgency to act. <clears throat> and I think about, I think of, when I think about this in an illustration form, anybody watch Criminal Minds? Woo, okay, got one, one noise. Thank you. I love, I love Criminal Minds. Never watched it all the way through, but Skylar and I have been absolutely grinding through Criminal Minds because I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of, I'm hooked on it. Dan, Coach says all the time he gets on kicks, and like I, I live with PJ. He's one of my roommates. Every time he comes home, I'm kicked up on my couch. I'm watching Criminal Minds. Just how, if I'm not at the gym, if I'm not here, I'm probably at home watching Criminal Minds. Come join me. I love it. You'll love it too, I promise. But what's crazy about it is this team, there's, man, you got Hotchner, you got Spencer Reed, who's a doctor. I don't have to go into all that. You got Derek Morgan. I'm, I'm a big fan of Derek Morgan, man. I, if, if I honestly, I compare myself to him. I look a little better than him, too. Derek, Derek, thank you, thank you. Derek Morgan, he's a part of this team called the BAU. It's the Behavioral Analysis Unit. That is a tongue twister. But what their job is, what they do is for a living, in criminal minds, of course, but this is also a real thing, FBI. Um, what they do is they study criminals' behaviors so that they can eventually catch the criminal. It, it is mind-blowing. The way, the way they think, the way they work to catch these criminals, it, it blows my mind because they eventually they get, essentially get a step ahead in catching the criminal. Um, but what's crazy is this team needs each other to help catch the criminal. And the team, they'll do whatever it takes. They'll go to whatever extent they have to to catch this criminal. And like I said, I, I immediately think about Derek Morgan. This is my first time walking, uh, watching Criminal Minds. I, I'm telling y'all, man, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a kind of that jock dude. He's kind of that tough dude. So I don't compare myself to him, actually. Um, but I, every episode, he's kicking a door down or he's chasing somebody. He's chasing serial killers in this. I'm, I don't know about y'all, but man, that's, that's, dang, that's crazy. But it's because he's in distress because he knows that serial killer, as long as that serial killer is out, it's affecting other people. As long as that serial killer is not caught, he's in danger, that person's in danger, and the team is in danger. Derek Morgan will chase down a serial killer because he knows as long as that person is still out there, the people around the killer are in danger. College student, it's funny, but the application is, are we willing to chase down lost people? Because as long as they are lost, their eternity is in danger. But do we view it that way? When you see people living in sin, it should do something to you. It should, do, it should stir something inside of you. Because you, if you know Jesus has changed your life, why wouldn't you want to let somebody know, hey, Jesus changed your life too? It should do something to you. And my question is, will you chase lost souls? Will you ch- As Daniel said last week, we have to use our voice for the religious. We have to use our voice for the lost and the hopeless. But what gives them hope is Jesus. That will fill every hole in their life is Jesus. 
But it's, it's, not, it's not up to them. It's up to the believers in the room. We, ha- we have the life change. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We just have to share it with them. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you should have an urgency to share the gospel with people. And I, I, as I was studying, I learned this in Acts 9. It says as, Paul, as soon as Paul got saved, he immediately started sharing the gospel. Acts 9.20 says immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the son of God. What I, what I do is when I share the gospel with people, I, I love this because I want them to tell somebody. When, somebody, when I witness somebody get saved... I always ask them, hey, what decision did you make today? Because I always want them to understand the decision they made. But number two, I encourage them. I say, go tell somebody about it. Because people should know that Jesus changed their life. Because that's the most important decision they'll make in their life. It's more important than getting married. It's more important than your career. It's more important than where you're living. It's, It's more important than anything in your life that Jesus changed your life. Have you made that decision tonight? Has Jesus changed your life? Because, man, I've never met a person in, in my life that has regretted giving their life to Jesus. I know I haven't. He, cha- he changed me from the inside out, and I fell madly in love with him. Read the word. I, I pray because I know I, he, he does things in my life that nobody else, nothing else can do. Will you give your life to Jesus tonight? But believers, are you in distress for people who don't know Jesus? And when you are living for Jesus, it should bother you when you see others living for the world. Sin bothers God. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, that means we have the spirit of God living in us. So that means it should bother us. Sin bothers God. And if we have the spirit of God living inside of us, sin should bother us. Sin should bother us. 2 Peter 2.8 says this, For as the righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented tormented by lawless deeds he saw and heard. And what this is referring to, this is referring to Lot um, when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can find that in Genesis 19. You see how Lot felt about the sin that he heard and that he saw. Lot was tormented by this. I want you to just think about that word, tormented. It it, it, He hated it. He didn't want his people to live in sin. Is our soul tormented by the sin we see and hear about? And a great way to measure our personal desire for righteousness is to look how we respond to wickedness. If you want to know that you're pursuing righteousness, ask yourself, how do you respond to wickedness? Because it's all over our college campuses. It's all over them. And the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What if that flipped around? What if we had Christians all across our college campus and then the Lord called you to be a missionary? And I love our, here at The View, you're not a college student that happens to be a missionary. You're a missionary that happens to be a college student. College comes to an end. I graduated. I'm, I'm not on the college campus anymore. I don't, I don't have the opportunity that you have anymore. And Daniel said that to me for four years. I was at Southwest for two of them. Then I went to Memphis for two of them. And I hate that that COVID happened and it took me off the college campuses because I lost opportunities to share the gospel with people. And the thing about sharing the gospel is there's not a good enough excuse that should keep you from sharing Jesus with people. Not a good good enough excuse. Because what if somebody didn't come to you with the gospel? What would your life still be like? Because I know what my life was like without Jesus. It, 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 was nothing. it was nothing. I just chased a check. I, I, bust, I worked 50 hours as a busboy. That's not fulfilling. I worked 50 hours as a server. Yeah, I made great money, but what's it for? That doesn't get me to heaven. My paycheck doesn't get my eternity. Jesus gave me my eternity. And man, let me tell you, it changed my life. And let me tell you something. I, lo- I love sharing the gospel because I know what it did for me. Other believers, do you, has it done something in you? Does sin torment you? Because it breaks my heart. I'm going to talk about this verse a little later, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Psalm 119, 136. My eyes pour out streams of tears for those who don't follow your instruction. Do you cry out for your family members that don't love Jesus? What about your friends who don't love Jesus? Does it break your heart? Because it, te- it tears me up. It, te- it tears me up. And, I, and it was so crazy. It tore Daniel up for so many years. That's why I kept sharing Jesus with me all the time. 
And I kept saying no, I kept saying no, I kept saying no. But finally, man, the Lord came to me. He broke me of my sin. I repented. I believed it, man. It was, it's been so good ever since. I gave my life to Jesus June of 2017, right after I graduated high school. I remember when I was living in sin, smoking and getting high all the time, just wasting my life, wasting my days. And now I've been sober for almost five years now, and I, I wouldn't turn back to it ever again. Because Jesus is so much, I say this every time I share the gospel, Jesus is so much better than what the world has to offer you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Jesus can give you so much more than what this world has to offer, because this world's passing by anyways. But eternity's not. That's forever. Let me get back to my notes. Hear me say this. It's our job to share the love of Jesus with people, not save people. You're not responsible for saving them. And let me, I'm re, I am relating with you. I, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, man, I know what Jesus has done in my life, and I know what it can do in your life if you don't know Jesus. It changes your life. College students, have God, has God been good to you? Yeah. College students, has God been good to you? Yeah. It's not your job to save them. It's your job to share with them. Again, I go back to the question, what if somebody didn't come to you with the gospel? And we see Paul reason with the Jews, the ones who worshiped with God and anybody in the marketplace every day. There's not, we got work schedules and stuff like that. There's not a schedule to share in the gospel. You should share the gospel. You should share Jesus every single day. Because I'm, I'm, I guarantee you, if you pray for opportunities to share the gospel, the Lord's going to give them to you. You don't lack, you don't lack op, opportunity to share the gospel. You lack obedience to share the gospel. Are you going to be obedient to share Jesus? I'm right there with you. I miss opportunities all the time. I wish I could go back to my campuses at Southwest because I was right there with you when I used to say, man, I don't know how to share the gospel. I, I don't know how to put it together in the words. And I'm going to invite you all to something. If you're free from 11 to 1 on Mondays. Our team and college students, we go to the U of M every single Monday. We're grinding to get back on CBU. We're grinding to get back on Southwest. We're on the, that University of Memphis campus every day from 11 to 1. If you want to come, if you want to learn how to come share the gospel, come, come share the gospel with us on Monday. And that's, that's open to anybody. We, man, and what's crazy is we've seen people get saved at the University of Memphis because we're just faithful to share. And again, we don't save them. Praise, praise the Lord. That's, that's on God. But man, when you see somebody get saved, it does something to you. It does. And I, Daniel, a few weeks ago, when he talked about anxiety, our treasure can't be in people getting saved because when they don't get saved, then what do we have? But man, your, when your treasure's in God, when you love God's word, when you meditate on his instruction day and night, you're going to be obedient to share the gospel because you, you have a desire to see people get saved. And that is so sweet. What would it look like if you shared the gospel with somebody tomorrow? And when we go do campus ministry, we're not, there's, we invite people to the view, yeah, but the joy of sharing Jesus, man. Like, the, like our pastor says every Monday, the view didn't change anybody. The guest cup we're going to give you tonight, if your guest didn't change you, Jesus Christ is what's going to change you. Will you respond to that? But for my Christians in the room, how do you feel about the sin in your city? Does it break you? Does it torment you? Do you pray against it? Are you doing something about it? <clears throat> and just think, think about your family. Does everybody know Jesus? Think about your friends. Do they know Jesus? Think about your workplace. Do your coworkers know Jesus? There's people all around you that don't know Jesus, and you have the solution for life change. Will you be obedient to share it with them? And in verse 18, this tells us that the philosophers debated with Paul and even called him ignorant. Colossians, be prepped for people to debate with you. That's why what, that's what it goes back to verse 11. Do you examine God's word? Because people don't agree with this. And they'll do whatever they can to find something to go against this. But let me tell you all some Colossians, God's word doesn't contradict itself. Another thing, God's word is truth. Truth is truth, and that's what it is. There, this, isn't, this isn't my opinion. This isn't anybody else's opinion. This is God's word. And that's what we stand on at the view. And that's what changes lives is God's word because it is truth. So I, I encourage, that's why we encourage you to study God's word. You got to be a self-feeder. You need to grow in width and in depth of the word because people are going to ask you hard questions. And I'm not telling you have to know everything, 
But as you study God's word and you learn more about the word, you're going to learn more about God. And man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like learning about who God is. And in ancient Greece, so you might have questions about um, verse, verse 18. It talks about the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. In ancient Greece, Epicureanism and Stoicism, I tried to say that as confidently as possible, were popular schools of philosophical thought. The former was founded by Epicurus, who did not believe in the afterlife, and emphasized the pursuits of pleasure and freedom from pain. It sounds really good, but let's examine this belief. How far or how joyful do you ever feel when you pursue your pleasures of the world? You don't really feel joyful, do you? It doesn't get, it doesn't get you anywhere. It leaves you in the same spot, empty, and you're just looking for something to fill that hole. And then Stoicism was the other one founded by Zeno, and this was pantheistic and emphasized the pursuit of virtue. But what we also see in verse 18 is that Paul was called a preacher of foreign deities when talking about Jesus and the resurrection. How backwards is that? The people of Athens thought Jesus was the foreign deity when they were worshiping the foreign deities. Eventually, Paul was taken to the Areopagus, or other, other translations your Bible might say, Mars Hill, that's the same place, and they asked him to share more about this new teaching. And this place, the Areopagus or Mars Hill, this was a place where philosophical and religious beliefs were debated and discussed. Literally, all they did was debate and discuss religious beliefs. There will always be people who love to debate theology and spirituality but are never willing to commit. And we all know somebody or have came across somebody like that. They just want to ask you questions to debate you, debate you, debate you, and not get anywhere. But here's the thing. They know the people like that, they know ideas about Jesus, but they miss the most important part, which is Jesus wants us to know him. They know ideas about Jesus, but they miss the most important part, which is Jesus wants us to know him. How that's so good. Jesus desires a personal relationship with you with all of us in this room do you have a personal relationship with Jesus and the encouraging thing is that people are curious and want to know more about Jesus that's encouraging for us college students as I go, as we go on the campus every single week to share to share Jesus I love I love when they ask questions because man people have questions about Jesus they're just looking for somebody to share with them there's people out there who are open and ready to listen to you but you just you just have to be faithful to share and the thing is, I, again, I encourage you don't have to know everything. This, I'm not putting that burden on you. I'm not putting that stress on you. Hear it from me. And our pastor would say the same thing. We don't know everything. But that is why, that, I think that just shows the importance of why you need to read the Bible every single day. Why you need to spend time with the Lord every single day. Because the more you spend time with him, the more you become like Jesus. And the more you become like Jesus, the more you're going to live like Jesus. And the more you live like Jesus, the more joy you have in your life. The more peace you have in your life. The more patience you have in your life. There's, there's not a con for living for Jesus. Will life get hard? Sure. But guess what? When life get, I'm not saying when you live for Jesus, your life's perfect. But when life gets hard, you get to fall back on the creator of life. I think that's much better than falling back on a paycheck, on a drink, on a person, on a job. Fall back on the creator of life because he knows you. And he loves you, man. He loves you. He loves you. don't have a relationship with Jesus, hear me. He loves you to the point of death on a cross. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't, man, desire that? And that's our prayer. We pray that college students would desire to fall in love with Jesus. And then verse 21 tells us that the people of the Areopagus spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing about new teachings. Imagine that. They just, they spend their days just debating truth. They have the truth right in front of them. And they're just trying to find a reason. They're trying to find a way. To debunk it, but you can't because it's truth. It's God's word. All scripture is inspired by God. Amen. Man might have physically written it, but man, God was behind the pen. This is God's word. This isn't Paul's word. This isn't Peter's word. This isn't any of their. This is God's word. Read God's word. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. But we're going we're gonna to continue through the rest of our passage. We're going to pick up in verse 22. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. God's word says this right here. Paul stood up 
in the middle of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I imagine Paul doing this, people of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. To an unknown God. Let me tell you all something, college students, here at The View, we worship the known God. We worship the God of creation. We, who we worship isn't unknown because we know him and he knows us. Praise God. Imagine worshiping an unknown God. Leaves you empty. Let me keep reading God's word. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, they call Paul ignorant, but he, he had something to say about that. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Man, get, get ready. Paul's getting ready to share the gospel. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Look at this. Since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being and even as some of your own poets have said, here's the thing about the Oropagus, Mars Hill. They're poets even, look at this right here. This is, so, this is so important. We'll talk more about this. Even as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Praise God. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed including Danias the um, Aeropagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Number, number one was how do you feel about the sin in your city? But number two, college students, the question I have to ask you is how do you respond to the sin in your city? How do you respond to the sin in your city? Verse 22 tells us that Paul responded to the people of Athens. I imagine him just standing up. People of Athens. And he called them out on their religiousness. He stands up in the middle of all these philosophers and religious people and acknowledges their religiousness in every aspect, but he also calls out their sin, worshiping an unknown God. And what's crazy is the people of Athens would be labeled as religious today. They, they would be the religious people today. And in verse 23, you see when Paul was passing through observing the objects of the worship, he noticed that they had an altar dedicated to an unknown God. Here's the thing, this, this is what we, have to, we can't miss about these philosophers. Religion was so important to the people, they had this altar for an unknown God just to make sure they were doing what they thought they were supposed to be doing. God's word clearly says idolatry is a sin. And they're worshiping an unknown God, they're missing it. They've missed the, they missed the whole point. And what's crazy, what I love about Paul is he jumped at the opportunity to share about the true God with them. And what's crazy is the reason why Paul saw so many people give their life to Jesus was one, obviously the Holy Spirit, praise God, was working through Paul like no other. But number two, he had a strategy in sharing. And here's the thing, college students, the same Holy Spirit that Paul had when he shared the gospel, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you know you have that same Holy Spirit, right? The same God of the Bible, that's the God we serve, and he can use you. He can use you. All you have to do is say, here I am, Lord. Use me. He wants to use you. Are you humbling yourself before the God that can use you? But then also, do you have a strategy to share in the gospel? Paul knew his audience he was sharing with, and the gospel never changed for him. But when he shared the gospel, how he shared the gospel would change. So the content of the gospel never changed for Paul, but how he shared it changed. And I think about when I first got saved, I gave my life, like I said, I gave my life to the Lord June of 2017. And I remember, when I, man, when I got saved, when I got baptized, I looked at my best friend at the time, Xavier Words. Man, I played basketball, I played football with him. We childhood best friends. I, he got baptized right next to me too, right after me. 
And I said, Xavier, man, I have felt the chains falling off because I have freedom. And as soon as I got saved, I went, I, the speaker said something that I never forgot. He said, on the last night of camp, he said, students, don't go back to your homes. Y'all are about to leave this, this Christian environment. Don't go back to your homes and fall into the same sin that you came down here with. And, I, and I'm beyond, I knew I was saved. I knew I gave my life to the Lord because, man, man, I repented. I believed and I needed life change. I, I begged for God to come into my life, and he met me where I was. And when I came back to Memphis from that beach camp, I remember I was, uh, my buddies at the time when I was working at Texas Roadhouse. Man, like I said, I busted my tail at Texas Roadhouse. I, my, my apron's in the rafters. They retired they retire my apron out there. Um, I remember going back to my coworkers because that was my community at the time. The people that I worked with at Texas Roadhouse, man, they were my best friends. Um, and, man, we played basketball together. We, we worked, I mean, we worked those 50 hours together. I mean, those were, my, those were my boys. And when I went home, I told them, I said, fellas, I gave my life to Jesus. And I was, I mean, I was, I was brand new to it. Like, like Paul, Acts 9, as soon as he got saved, he said, Jesus is the son of God. So as soon as I got saved, I went home, I said, fellas, I gave, I gave my life to Jesus, man. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't get high anymore. I, can't, I don't want to do this anymore. But what I learned was I knew if we were to go to their house, my buddy's house after work, I knew what would go down. And I, th- I thought I would, as a baby believer, I made, I made mistakes. I would go to their house and I'd say, fellas, I'm good, I'm good. But was, I was by myself. I was a baby believer by myself trying to say no to sin. And so I, I, ended, I fell right back into sin. But what I learned was I had to change my environment. I had to change my strategy. And as I learned God's word more, as I prayed more, what I did was I didn't take myself to them. I didn't go to their home court where I knew sin was going to happen. I was going to bring them to my home court and where they could see godliness happen. And over time, I started to teach a basketball Bible study. It was one of the, it was, again, I was a baby believer. I, started, I got saved June of 2017. I, got, I, got, I jumped right into the view January of 2018. They, they trusted me to teach the Bible February of 2018. I had a lot of, tra- that had a lot of training. My boy Trey Birch, and we were, in, we were in the thick of it together. But I knew if I brought them to this basketball Bible study, at least for the hours that we were there, they weren't going to sin. They weren't going to fall into that sin. They were going to see other people live out their faith. They were going to see other people love Jesus and talk about Jesus. And the crazy thing about that is God changed my strategy of sharing, sharing the gospel with them so that they could see how the Spirit changed me. God's going, God can change your strategy. You just have to be obedient to it. You just have to allow God to change your strategy. And pe- people will see the spirit of God moving in you. Because not only that, I put them around other people that loved and pursued Jesus. And Paul had a different strategy for people. When Paul would evangelize to the Jews, he would show them scripture that spoke on Jesus being the Messiah. But when he shared with the Gentiles, this, this, he went, had a little different approach. He would start with their general interest in religion. He moved to the living and true God who created the world. Explained human sin and accountability before God, before God, and he told them about Jesus. I, I look, he knew his audience. He didn't change the gospel. He just changed how he shared the gospel with the people he was sharing with. And Paul, knowing his audience, would cater the gospel towards what they needed to hear and how they needed to hear it. Paul recognized that these philosophers needed to change their ideas about God. They had to move from their own personal opinions to an understanding of a God. Um, excuse me. They had to move from their own personal opinions to an understanding of who God is according to what he tells us about himself in the Bible. And Paul gives us a great model to share the gospel. He started at creation. He started at creation, and then he went into sin, and sin leads to brokenness. But God didn't want to leave us in this state of brokenness, so what he did was he sent his son Jesus down to this earth. In Jesus, he lived a perfect and sinless life. And because of that, our sin requires a sacrifice. Because Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, he was able to die on the cross for our sins. But in college students, praise God, it doesn't stop there. Three day, to show that he was really dead, Jesus was buried in a tomb for three whole days. And three days later, God raised his son from the grave, raised his son from the grave, conquering death, conquering the grave, conquering our sin, conquering hell. And the Bible says if we repent, 
Repentance is described as a turn, as a 180. Acts 3.19, repent, therefore turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. If you, ask, if you repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness, God's faithful to forgive you. But it doesn't stop there. You have to believe. Man, praise God we don't have to work our way to heaven. We don't have to climb a ladder to God because God left the throne and sent his son Jesus to us. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. And you, you receive that by prayer of faith. You pray to receive Christ into your life. And you can do, you can do that tonight. You can do that tonight. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't mean to call from the mic. And as we share the gospel, we will share with college students that will have the same mindset as the philosophers. But we'll also share with college students that have the same mindset of Gentiles. And as you build relationships, you'll know your audience who you're sharing with. And Paul points out that the true God doesn't live in shrines made by hands. The God of creation cannot be contained. Acts 7, 48 through 50 says this, But the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all of these things? And then he, he, he reminded them that, Paul said this right here, that God doesn't need to be served by human hands because God gave breath to all living things. And my mind immediately goes to Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. But it doesn't stop there. Job 33-4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And verse 26 affirms that the human race exists because of a personal creator, not some random, impersonal, evolutionary process. God was intentional in his creation. And I love this right here. Paul, uh, verse 28 says this right here. Paul states that in Jesus we have life and our being. Don't miss Paul's strategy in this verse. This is what I was talking about with the poets. He even quoted one of their own Athenian poets. And Paul didn't do this because they were prophets, because all their teaching was of God. He quoted them because these specific words in verse 28 reflected a biblical truth. And by using them, he could build a bridge. He could bridge the gap to reach his pagan audience. And I love this right here. When we know Jesus personally, we begin to know and understand ourselves on a deeper level. When you know Jesus personally, you'll know and understand yourself on a deeper level. Now, look, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22, and it says this right here. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I had made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may, by every possible means, save some. When Paul makes this statement right here, when Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, we have to understand that he isn't compromising his lifestyle for Christ, but he's trying to comprehend the lifestyle of the people that he's sharing with. Paul didn't compromise his faith. He wanted to comprehend the people who were living in sin, so that he could bridge the gap and show them, man, Jesus is the way. It's better. He would build relationships and learn their way of life so that he could share with them about the way, the truth, and the life. Paul had a strategy. And Paul would do whatever it took and he, or learned whatever he needed to learn so that he could gain a listening ear to share the gospel. Colossians, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to build relationships with lost people so that we can share the gospel with them? Paul isn't telling us to participate in their sin, but he's telling us how to protect them from their sin. It's Jesus. Jesus protects them from their sin. Jesus died for their sin. And I look, our human imagination or what we have to offer doesn't compare to the divine nature of God. Gold, silver, or whatever else we can come with doesn't compare to God. Idols can be any person, place, or thing that we look to as a source. 
Those idols misrepresent and diminish the glory of the living and true God. Idolatry gets things backwards. It makes God into man's image. But Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Praise God, we're created in God's image. And he, go, he, goes into the, he goes into the end of the gospel. He tells them that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, that we will have a judgment day. But because of Jesus, we can have eternal life. And you see, you see, the, you see three ways that they respond. That people ridiculed him. Some people said, hey, man, I would love to hear more about this, Paul. But not only that, man, people got saved. And we, we should expect the same responses on our college campuses. People will ridicule you for sharing the gospel. I said it moments ago, that's not a good enough reason to keep you from sharing. People will ask you questions. They'll want to hear more. That's why it's important to examine God's word. But lastly, man, you'll see people get saved if you just share. And here at The View, we celebrate the sharing of the gospel, just like we celebrate the saving of the gospel. Because when you share the gospel, man, a seed is planted. When somebody else comes behind you and shares the gospel again, that seed is watered. And then somebody else shares, it grows more and more, and then God brings the growth, and God brings the saving. Hallelujah. And there's plenty to talk about today, and we will always talk about what we love. Here's a question for us. How much do we talk about Jesus in our day-to-day conversation? How much do you talk about Jesus in your day-to-day conversation? And what I want to do is, this is, this is specifically for my believers in the room. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you are worried or scared to share the gospel, I want to give you two prayerful action steps to share the gospel. And the first one is, A, pray to be broken over sin. You have to pray to be broken over sin. And one of my favorite psalms, I, I think I use it every time, but it's, it's so good. Psalm 51. David is broken over his sin, and I'll read verses 2 through 6. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. And then go down to verse 9. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Look at this right here. After that happens, verse 13. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. When we are broken over our sin, first it will break us to see others living in sin because we know the hurt that it brings. And the second thing that I encourage us to pray about is be pray to be burdened for the lost. You have to pray to be broken over sin, and you have to pray to be burdened for the lost. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And then I said, I quoted it earlier, Psalm 119, 136. My eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter what they do or where they come from. We should pray for them and have a desire for them to come to know Jesus. And college students, if you pray to be broken over sin and burdened for the loss, I believe we will see believers share the gospel more consistently. But for some of us in here, we first need to pray to receive Christ. And that's what, that's what I walked us through earlier. And so right now, as, as we, put, we, can put, we can put our stuff away, you can kind of come, in, come into this moment, you can bow, you can bow your head. And I, w- I want to talk about what's it look like to pray to receive Christ. So as people put their stuff away, <clears throat> as I said earlier, man, you see Paul, he started at creation, and that's, that's what exactly what I'm going to do, man. God created the heavens and the earth. God created male. God created female. God created everything on this earth. 
And when he, create, when he saw his creation, he looked at it and he said, it is good. God saw his creation. He said, it was good. But what happened was, man, God gave Adam and Eve, God gave them instruction. He gave them instruction that they could eat of any tree of the garden except of one tree. And the devil, he's described as a serpent in Genesis chapter 3, and he deceived Eve into disobeying God's instruction. And when she disobeyed God's instruction, that introduced sin into our life. That brought sin into our world. And sin is anything that goes against God's word. Sin is anything that goes against God's word. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what happens is this sin, it leads us to a state of brokenness. That's why we see so, that's why we see so many bad things in the world, because it's a result of sin. You know, college students always ask, why did, why did that happen? Why did, why did that happen? Man, it, if it's a result of sin, that's why we see things like divorce. We see lying. We see stealing. We see cheating. We see murder. We see racism. We see all these things, but that wasn't God's, that wasn't God's intention. But like I said, man, God loves us so much. God loves you so much, college student, that he sent his son Jesus to this earth. Jesus being 100% man, 100% God. Tony Evans calls him the God man. Jesus lived on this lot, lived on this earth for 33 years, and he never sinned. He lived a perfect life because we see in the Old Testament that sin requires a sacrifice. And Jesus was that sacrifice for our sins. And so what happened, happened was Jesus, he carried, he carried the cross he was crucified on the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. Story doesn't stop there. He was buried for three days. I shared it moments ago. He was buried in a tomb for three days to show that he was really dead. But God, to show, he showed that he conquered sin. He conquered the grave because he raised his son Jesus from the grave. He raised his son Jesus from the grave, and by that, the resurrection by the resurrection, we are able to have eternal life. We're able to have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we have to respond to that. And college student, you might have questions. Dakota, how do I pray to receive Christ? What you have to do is you have to repent. Like I said, Acts 3.19, repent, therefore turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. You have to turn your back on your old life and turn your face to God. It's you asking for forgiveness of your sins. But not only that, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to recognize that you're a sinner and that you're in need of a Savior. And when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. And you can receive Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior.